0: Hey friends, we hope you enjoy this sermon from St. Jude Cliff. and if nobody has told you today that they love you, we do, but more importantly, God does. We're going to talk about summary stuff part three today, things that have been on my heart, and some of them have been very familiar to you, but this one's going to feel very familiar, like, oh, I think that's right. But it's going to sound different. Because I'm going to make it in, I'm going to put it in different ways for you. In terms of how we are, how God um, loves us, and how God changes our bad ideas in very surprising ways, and how God likes us, and pays us the intolerable compliment of liking us, even when we have bad ideas. That's the good news of, of Jesus, that he, he loves us even though we have certain bad ideas. Um, So this is actually from John, oh, I'm sorry, it's John, did I say John 15? Ooh, it's actually John 14. So let me just read this. That's my bad, Jess. I put John 15, didn't I? Um, Yeah, I did. Sorry, Scotty. So this is John 14, 25 to 27, but the the next text is correct, okay, the John 21. Wow. I I need to wear my glasses when I text Jess my uh, text in the morning. Um, Sorry, sorry, dear ones. So this is John 14 verses 25 to 27. Here Jesus is talking to his apostles about the gift of the Holy Spirit that he'll send, and he's going to talk about the peace that we have in the world and the peace that Jesus gives. John 14, verses 25 to 27. I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. Now hear what Jesus said there. He said, I'm going to give you my peace, but it's different than the world gives. So there's a peace that the world gives that works, and then there's a peace of Jesus. And he says, what I'm going to do is different. And now John chapter 20, verses 18 to 23. This was the evening of Easter, and you're going to hear the very first sermon on the Lord's Day after Jesus rose from the dead. It's very brief, and it was given by a woman. It's right here. When it was evening on the first day of the week, that Sunday night, excuse me, starting at verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, here's the sermon, I've seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. And when it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And after saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the conversations in all of our hearts be pleasing to you and nourishing to us. We ask in your name. Amen. Um, I came across a, an Australian comedian who's also kind of a philosopher, and um, he was, uh, started off his career being a, um, a journalist, and he said something that really struck me. And I think he dabbles with um, Christianity. He's not really said, but I think he's kind of a closet Christian. Um, and something he said is really interesting. He said, um, and this was very hard for him as a comedian. He said he has a friend that during the pandemic was questioning whether or not um, to get a vaccine. And a lot of people are like, well, what is, is this going to hurt me or not? A lot of people, well, we all check on it. But then he did a deep dive, and um, on this whole thing about getting a vaccine, and then come, came across this site about the power of the Vatican. And for those that don't know what the Vatican is, that's the headquarters for the Roman Catholic Church, where the Pope lives. And this is what he came across. He came across in this, in an alternate, you know, it had nothing to do with the vaccine, but this is what he found out. He said, he found out on the internet that the Vatican has the umbilical cord of every human that's ever born. They all get sent from every hospital to the Vatican. And they're keeping tabs on you. And if you write the Vatican, they will give you back your umbilical cord. <laughs> now remember, this guy's a comedian. And he said, and he told, this guy told his friend, I, I, I wrote the Vatican um, to get my umbilical cord back. And the guy said, you have to know how hard it is for me not to use this in my act. And not to name him. Because that's really funny, isn't it? But he said, you know what, he goes, It was the pandemic. We're all studying the vaccine. All of us are looking at it, whether we do it or not. We're studying it. And then something got pinged in a different direction. And, you know, it's the pandemic. And you read these sites. And he had a bad idea. He believed a bad idea. And then he said, haven't you ever believed a bad idea? Have you ever had a bad idea that you believed? I have. Haven't you? He said... He said, "I believe in amnesty for bad ideas. In amnesty for you kids, it means um, forgiveness for bad ideas. You know what the gospel is? It's forgiveness for our bad ideas. Because all of us have them. We have bad ideas, and sometimes we don't even call them ideas. We just call it. That's just the way it is. That's just life." And I thought, when he said this to me, I thought, wow, that's so beautiful and so hopeful that every one of us have bad ideas, and we can't, we can't toss people out just because they believe something that is wrong, because that's, that's what we do. Well, one of the bad ideas, I think, that we have is what Jesus says, the peace of the world. Um, I'm going to talk about something that's... A, that well, for Christians, it's kind of uncomfortable, but for others, it's uncomfortable. I'm going to talk about sin for a second. When we think of sin, we have a really truncated view of sin. We think of sin as doing something wrong, right? Or not doing what's right. That's, sin is actually a two-step dance. It's doing something wrong. That's the first part. And the second part is how we resolve what we did wrong. How we solve the conflict. That's what sin is. And we always think sin is just doing, the, doing something wrong. The second sin is how we solve it. So every parent knows this. Hey, 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 Tommy, is, is, is that a crumb on your lip? No. Did you eat that cookie? Think before you answer, Tommy. Because what's Tommy thinking? He was told not to have the cookie. He ate the cookie. But what is he working on right now? How am I going to resolve this? No, I didn't eat that. That's just an uh, Allergy. Allergy, like you said, Ma, that's an allergy crumb. (laughs) So how did he resolve? Well, no, I didn't do that. The, The dog licked me here. And so the way he solved it was by doing what? Finding someone to blame, the dog, allergies, putting his sin on that, and then it worked. So what is sin, really? It's how we manage the conflict caused by the problems that we make. But we didn't, even call sin, we didn't even call that sin. We just call that managing conflict. And, you know, and I, so you've heard me talk about this before. That's the scapegoating that we do, the, the delicious little violence that we do to, you know, where three or four are gathered, a fourth person is being talked about because that's how we solve group dynamics. Like, that makes it easier. Well, this week, why do, why do we do that? And because and, it actually forms a kind of peace, it creates a false sort of peace. And when did it start? Oh, it's as old as humanity. Think about the very first story in the Bible. You have a man and a woman. They're living with God in Bora Bora or wherever. It's just beautiful, and they're eating fruit, and they have all kinds of things. And, and, and God said, just stay away from these locations. There's this stuff, don't eat that. And the wife had a desire to eat it. She did. At that point, they could have said, Lord, we got a problem. Can you help us with it? So we tend to think, well, the the sin was Eve disobeying God. Oh, that's just part one. But the real conclusion is what happened next. How did the husband solve this issue? God was walking with them in the spirit of the day. God said, hey, kids, what's going on? Oh, uh, uh, the woman you gave me, she's the problem. What? You see what he did? He had conflict, and what's the first thing he did? He sort of said, Right, okay we, okay, we did, we did, we did, what did we do now? He, he, he solved the conflict by blaming her, and oh, the relief that came over. It's almost like a religious, like, Oh, I feel so much better by blaming her. Yeah, she's the problem. And they were so good at that, wait till their kids came along. They had two boys. They fought with each other, and one, they're going to they're outdo their parents. Two brothers are fighting, and there's a conflict, 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 conflict. Because God likes the sacrifice of one over the other, the gift. And, the, and one brother is so, so jealous, and he can't deal with this conflict. What does he do to his brother? He kills him. What? Oh, you see? It's conflict management. So this is how we do conflict management. We do something wrong, we find someone else to blame, we crucify them, and then we feel better, but now we've become addicted to this way of conflict management, and we don't even know it. Does that make sense? Now, some people actually think, well, did God do that to his son? Did God learn conflict management by watching our primitive parents and their children do conflict management? Because that's part of the sin problem. I don't think that's how God solves it. That's the peace of the world, or as Robo likes to call it, and I call it, predatory peace, because it works. We get addicted to it. It works. We don't even call it. We don't even call it a problem. So when Jesus says, I leave you peace, not as the world gives, I give you that kind of peace, and all of us have been victimized by that. All of us say, hey, don't blame me. Don't scapegoat me, but we're also, we're the scapegoaters. Why do we do it? Because it works. It relieves tension until the next time. And here's, here's how it's religious. It, it actually binds people, you feel released by yourself, but you also, you, you're reconciled to others. If, if you go to, you know, if you're a graduate of the University of Oklahoma, you love Oklahoma and anybody that beats the University of Texas. That makes you very happy. You're united with others. If, if some, some, if, if Texas dies to winning, or vice versa, if you're Texas, you love Texas and anyone that beats the University of Oklahoma. Because it, it, it unites you, like yes. We're glad they did this. Politicians do this. They don't do that just to get votes. They they do this to strengthen their base because when you make fun of someone else, it doesn't just put them down. It makes your base stronger. It's like a religious reconciliation. Do you guys see that? I hope you see that's the way we are. We do that. That is the original sin. It's a a two-part dance. It's the act And it's, listen, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I don't mind breaking a few eggs, if if you guys know what that means. Eights are not afraid of, I'm not speaking out of someone who's conquered this. I'm speaking out of someone who wrestles with this. I I think what I want to tell you all is that, that violence is the secret sauce of the everyday conflict resolution. It is. It's the secret sauce of the everyday conflict resolution. And we don't sacrifice to appease god we sacrifice because we're in a jam and we need relief and we sacrifice because it works and it helps me survive in this world and be with others because that's what we do we don't even know it i mean i have stories and you guys have done this have you ever had a situation where you know mom or dad are coming home they had a bad day at work and you do not want to get in the way you better take those shoes out of the hallway You better make sure there's no... Make sure your bed's made. Make sure your bed's made. Oh, they saw... Oh, okay, he got it first. Woo! Okay, good. He got it first, and now the rest of us can have dinner together. Thank you, little brother, for getting caught first. Because what's dad looking for? A little bit of relief, a little bit of relief. Boom! And then peace comes to the rest of the family. That's how it works. But it's just... It goes... You know, We're so good at evangelizing this, we don't even think about it. We don't even call that. But that's... Jesus says, I leave you a different kind of peace. Now, I want you to go with me to... Easter Sunday. Jesus marched into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Everybody loved him. He's the, he's the Messiah. He is, he's the Savior of the world. And then within a week, that crowd turned on him. And even his best friends turned on him. And the strongest of them, Peter and James and John, the apostles. They all turned on him. Jesus said this would happen. But they never thought that they would turn on their best friend, their God. They never thought that they would turn on him. When Jesus got arrested, right after the Lord's Supper, Peter was violent. He tried to cut off the ear of of a priest and get a fight going. And Jesus put that ear back on Malchus, a servant of the high priest, and said, Don't do that, Peter. No violence. And Peter was ready to fight for his brother. But then, hours later, Jesus was arrested. He got his face beaten to a pulp. And then Peter saw him coming out of the courtyard. And as soon as he saw him coming out of the courtyard, he realized that everything had changed. And now his life was in danger. And someone said, aren't you with him? And he said, no, I'm not. And the strongest of them participated in his death by denying Jesus three times. And Jesus looked at him, saw him do this. Oh, can you imagine how Peter felt? He scapegoated his best friend. And when Jesus died, they didn't do a thing to stop it. They agreed with it. They participated in the death of the one that that Peter said, you are the Lord, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And now it's Sunday night, and Mary comes to them and says, oh, this Jesus that we loved, and that we didn't do anything to help stop when they were killing him, in fact, we kind of participated in it, he's back, he's back, and ironically, John says, and all the friends got together, and they locked the door. Did you guys hear that? They locked the door. I bet they locked the door. I would too. Because when you do something bad to someone, really bad, it's the princess bride moment. My name is Indigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die. That's right. We want vengeance. We want vengeance. You thought they thought cuz that's how we do things. That's how we pay back. That's how justice works in this world. We want vengeance. And they probably thought Jesus wants vengeance. Oh my gosh, he's back. What do we do? What do we do? We love him, but we were, we were bad, bad, bad. And Peter, especially, you were the worst. No, you were the worst. Can you, can you hear them bickering? You almost, and it says there in John chapter 20 the following When it was evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Oh, my goodness. And having said this, he showed them his hands and sighed, so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Oh, peace be with you. Now, I need to let you know something that's really kind of cool. In, in the original languages of Scripture, there's Hebrew and Greek and a little bit of Aramaic. Aramaic is the language they spoke in Jesus' day, but the, the Scriptures are written in Greek and they're written in Hebrew. The word for peace be to you and the word for hello is one and the same. So in Hebrew, the word is shalom, which is peace, right? But it's also Shalom is hey there. And in Greek, Irene, like the name Irene or Irenaeus, means peace. Irene Humas, Jesus said to them. Peace be to you, or hello there. They were expecting Jesus to give them the peace of the world. You blamed me, and you thought you won. Round two here I am, I'm going to blame you. That's what they thought was going to happen. But instead, what did Jesus say to them? Hello there. He wasn't mad at them. And then he said, he showed them his hands and sides, said, I did this for you guys. All the sins that you did, I absorbed them, including the one you just did to me. I absorb it. Hello there. And then he said it again, and he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Then he said again, peace be with you. This is where your sacred violence stops. Right here. I don't pay back that way. He said, hello there. Wow. How does God deal with our violence? hello there. It's me. How do we deal with each other's violence? You cut me off, I cut you off. God says, hello there. I find that so beautiful. And it's right there, hidden in plain sight. We don't talk about this in the church very much because it challenges us, because it 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 um, it reveals to us something that we don't want to be seen, which is, we like the peace that the world gives. We don't want this peace that Jesus gives because it changes things, but it does for the better. It really does for the better. So, what does this mean in terms of uh, of Christians? How do we how do we respond to life? Well, we respond to life the way that Jesus responds to things. We are followers of Jesus, which means that. We're going to have struggles we 're going to have conflicts, but instead of meeting a conflict head on with, with violence or yelling at it, we meet it with um, those two simple words that Jesus said: "Hello there you ever been mad at yourself for something that you did wrong? you ever, been, you ever said you you idiot I, I think about um Franz Kafka, who's funny, but he's not funny-funny. He's funny because he's so sad he's funny. And he talked about this one man that in, a, in one of his short stories of a, young, of a young man that became middle-aged and then became an older man and wanted to find the love of his life, and it never really happened. So he ended up living with his nephew. And the story ends where he said he took his palpable fist and he pounded it, his palpable palm, and he kept pounding it into his forehead. Over and over again, because the one that he loved the most got away. And when he read that to his friends, they said they all laughed hysterically. It's funny, sad, funny, sad. He was so angry at himself for letting his love go. He's, he was doing violence to himself. And we do that too. We take palpable palm and put it against our forehead and saying, "You idiot." We're scapegoating ourselves. Listen, you and I have done a lot of things wrong, but I can tell you there's one thing we've not done. We have not directly, in person, killed God. The apostles did. They committed deicide. They killed Jesus. They participated in it. Now, the human race did it, but they actually did it. And Jesus said, listen, I know what you did. Do not take your palpable palm and take it into your forehead. Hello there. I forgive you. I forgive you. I'm not going to meet your act of sin with violence. You're my friends. I love you. And he said, see here, look, at, I told you I was good. Death isn't going to end me. I'm risen from the dead. And now he breathed on them, the Holy Spirit, and said, now you are agents of this way of giving peace. You do not meet violence in everyday encounters with violence. You meet it with forgiveness, and you meet it with the first phrase, hello there. So how does it work out practically? You feel bad about yourself. You get up in the morning, you look at yourself and say, self, you were mean yesterday. And then you say, well, hello there, mean self. Hello. There's something about greeting something, a conflict with, 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 with a hello that just kind of disarms things, doesn't it? Why do you think Jesus walked into that room? Hello there. He had to disarm them. Like, I'm not mad at you guys. I want to leave you all with something that's going to be very beautiful and very hard to swallow. You know when Jesus said, hello there, and then they hugged him, and then he said he breathed on them? You know what occurred to the apostles? But Jesus didn't do this because he wanted to vindicate his life, death, and resurrection. He knew he was going to do that. He didn't do this because he wanted to be right and prove them wrong. He did this because he just wanted to be with his friends. They were deeply liked by Jesus. And they had a really bad idea, and they took it to the very end of bad ideas by killing him. And Jesus said, you're still my friends. We know that God loves us because he has to. That's his job. God is love. But he chooses to like us. And whatever bad thing we do, we need to confront it with the fact that Jesus says to us, hello there. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, but as, peace, as I give to you. Hello there. Let me deal with this. I like being with you. Um, Years ago, I I was involved in a situation with a dear friend who um, went through a very, very bad phase, an incredibly selfish phase where um, just about everything in his life was about to be taken from him. And I realized that my friend, who I love and like very much, um, was a narcissist. And um, along with his wife and a couple others that loved him and liked him so much, we did an intervention. And when I did this for my friend, um, I realized something. I, I told him, I said, I know, I know two things about you. And so, um, you will never surprise me. One, You think you're smarter and better than everyone else in the room. You really do. And you're not. He goes, well, most of the time I said, no, because you never learn to hear a new idea. You always think you have the best idea. Two, everything that you do serves you. There is not one altruistic bone in your body. Everything you do is calculated to benefit you. So I can always gauge your next move by thinking, how will this benefit you? So I said, I want you to know something. I really love you and I like you a lot and you need help because you keep pushing away the people that love you and like you. But here's the deal. I know your game. The gig is up. In other words, I said to him, essentially, um, I know your sacred violence. I know your everyday violence. And I'm not going to meet it with violence. And he said, "Why, why are you still here? I'm not useful to you. And I said, that's the problem. I don't need you to be useful to me. You're my friend. I love you. And then he just broke and came back down to earth and changed. When he received the fact that he was forgiven and liked, he could face his own violence. It's almost like a rebirth that took place. And you think, well, that might help with narcissism, but does it really help with the worst kind of evils? Does it really help with the really, really, like, super bad, supercharged evils? Oh, it does. It does. I learned something back in 2007. It really struck me. I was still young, well, not young, but I was a pastor in Santa Fe, and we had this fellow came to the church with his family, and he was so excited about Jesus and was very different. It was a, it was a chef, a very famous chef in, another, in, in southern Louisiana, and then moved to Nor- uh, Santa Fe to get away from that environment to help save his family because he's doing bad stuff to his family and bad stuff was happening to him. And I said, what brought you to faith in Jesus? He goes, well, um, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol and I was addicted to magical arts and I was best at that third. He was a practitioner in the occult, making a lot of money. Don't want to talk about what he was doing, um, but he's making a lot of money doing it. And he, I said, what happened is in one of my... Um, in, in one of my practices, I actually saw Jesus, and um, he forgave me, and I got out of it. And I had to move here to get away from all that. I said, okay. I said, do you still get hounded by, um, by malignant forces? He goes, I do. He says, I was with my, my daughter the other day. We were praying, and then we felt something in the room that was very unhealthy, And he said, this is what I do, Mark, because I thought, oh, this would be helpful to me. He said, whatever spirit is in this room, hello there, I'm going to give you a gift. Jesus loves me. And if you are a spirit, somehow from the beginning you were made by him. So, if you're going to stay, you have to talk with Jesus. I give you him. But you're not going to rob me or my daughter of anything. Hello there, I give you a gift. His name is Jesus. And I said, what happens when you do that? He goes, they run like crazy. But maybe one or two will stick around because I'm hoping that Jesus has a conversation with them. I sometimes feel like um, forces are upon me. Do you ever feel that way upon you? Like someone, I can't put my name on it, someone wants me to feel bad. And do you ever feel like if you're a dark spirit or demonic spirit, I pray you just, oh, I hope you suffer but I've learned to do what my friend taught me. i say, "Well, um, oh, I feel very uncomfortable. I feel very fearful, like some sort of spirit of fear. Hello, spirit of fear. Oh, you got a grip on me right now. I feel very, very afraid. I'm not sure what it is. Um, hello there. I, I, I'm going to give you a gift. I got Jesus with me, and, and um, his peace is more important and longer lasting than what you provide so I give you him. And it begins to lift a little bit. But it's, what, I, what I'm talking about here is just a way of life. It's understanding how important it is that what, what, what Jesus does here. It's so important what Jesus says and does here that the peace he gives to us is, is not the peace that the world gives. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus um, gives amnesty to our bad ideas. We have bad ideas about peace. Really bad ideas. Oh, horribly bad ideas about peace. And Jesus exposes them and he says, this is what you guys actually think. And we say, no, we don't. Oh, we do. Oh, it's horrible. I can't believe I do that. I know you do that. But I forgive you. And he breathes on us the Holy Spirit. I love you all. But more importantly, Jesus loves you. And he likes you very much. And he says to you, hello there. With every conflict, struggle in your life, he says hello there. And his peace he gives to us. Let's believe him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us in Jesus. Thank you for giving us your peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.